0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Rob Johnson. Rob is the CEO of Playfly Esports. He's gonna talk to us all about the ecosystem that they are building to help brands reach gamers and to help facilitate better monetization in the esports space. He's also gonna take us through a tremendous career in traditional sports to where he is today. Let's talk to Rob. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it is my pleasure to welcome Rob Johnson, who is the CEO of the newly formed Playfly Esports. Thank you for being here today, Rob. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. I've been listening to this for a while and seeing it on LinkedIn, so excited to to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. Well, I've been a huge fan of what you guys have done at CSL, NASTAR Star League, now PlayFly. It's brand new, so I'm really excited to, to hear more. But I'm also super excited to walk through this career path of yours, coming from traditional sports to gaming and really learn how how you took that path and what you've learned along the way. So to get started here, tell our audience, what is Playfly Esports?
1: Playfly Esports, and, and we'll talk about this later, is you know really being able to bring brands, Fortune 500 companies that want to enter gaming, and bring them to Esports fans. We connect brands with Esports fans. This mirrors very well what we've built totally or, or holistically with Playfly in our total business, which is huge and growing. And, you know, we feel with our model that everything we've learned, certainly with CSLE Esports, with the acquisition of World Gaming, Collegiate Star League before that, that we in the business model that we've put together, we can be a revenue backbone for a lot of the industry. So excited to be growing there and taking a few steps in the next few weeks and months. We'll have a bunch of great announcements of the next you know, new products and new ways that we're able to help. Many of, of the organizations, whether it's in high school, in college, whether it's amateur or whether it's pro, you know, a lot of great things that our team is putting together right now.
0: That's awesome. So when we talk about esports fans, obviously it's a very diverse group. You've got newborns all the way to 40, 50 year olds, as esports does skew quite a bit older than people assume. Specifically for Playfly, who are you targeting with that? Which fans are those that brands are reaching through you?
1: Well, let's, I mean, listen, everybody that's listening, I hope knows enough about esports and gaming to know that an esports fan doesn't really exist. To make it part of the elevator pitch is is critical to get brands and non-endemic brands and the dollars that can help form and fund, particularly getting back to in-person play as we exit COVID here. Many of the the organizations that have used raising and series A's and and a lot of financing mechanisms may not be able to do as we look at the the economic conditions here. But an esports fan you know, for us and talking about it is, doesn't really exist. You, you look at your community, you look at the demographics behind each game or genre, mm-hmm. and then you're able to really holistically find an audience that can become 18 to 35. Now, why that's very important for a company that is focusing on traditional advertising is from 18 to 35, where are these entertainment eyeballs going? And, you know, from everything we see, it's not linear television. It's not big sports properties that have been you know, a huge part of the advertising landscape over the past 20, 30, 40 years since television or even, you know, go back to radio here. And the way we think about it and think about esports fans is let's make sure that we're providing, you know, certainly the right entertainment or partnering with the people that provide the right entertainment to get that particular, you know, game genre fan community involved. And then really pulling it all together, you can start to build out an advertising product that can help fund whoever the content creator is, can help grow some of the first-party products that we produce, and we're co-operators of NACE Star League, the largest collegiate league in the United States in the world, and with 13,000 kids that participated over the past years, almost 700 schools. So being able to build content that, listen, it, it, it's very, very fragmented. So an esports fan might not generally watch anything, but if you look at it from, and you build a, a chain of these properties together, you can start to get mass scale. You can start to make it interesting when you connect it to everything else we're doing at Playfly and all of our different businesses, you now have advertising products and ways to monetize this that you know many organizations that have only built and only focused directly on gaming and esports and can't connect to a parent company, can't connect to a wide array of partners around the advertising landscape might not have the ability to do. And that's exactly what we picked on here certainly with Playfly Esports and our expansion of the business Mm -hmm. from CSL Esports to, you know, what we've done today. And CSL Esports was focused on getting good at one area. And I'll just go back a couple steps here. 2020, you know, a lot of people were trying to figure out how to move, you know, into a virtual landscape. Collegiate Star League has been around since 2009. Tremendous business and, you know, world gaming had been around since 2010. They were both owned by Canadian movie theater company Cineplex. They had decided because movie theaters were shut down that this was something they were willing to let go. And at the same time, Mike Schreiber, formerly a partner at 76 Capital, one was on the Hulu founding team. you know, He had, had decided to put together this broader play flight company to disrupt sports media and the landscape in general, esports being a big part of that. So we were able to purchase those two companies. We brought them in. We looked at you know, in July, you know, through fall 2020, what were the best assets to bring out of this for a sustainable esports business? And really looking at collegiate was one of the best things that we want to do. And since then, we yeah. partnered with NACE, the, the incredible organization with Michael Brooks over there. But one of the key items that, you know, looking at advertising and advertising revenue and, and sponsorship particularly, is it's a very large part of what makes up esports revenue. And instead of shying away from that or building something new, we have doubled down on it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at esports advertising and sponsorship domestically, and let's just call it North America, United States and Canada, it's very difficult to find a pro property or amateur property that is even drawing viewers, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent or outside of the United States. So that leaves a ton of people in boardrooms across the United States and Canada that say, well, you know, I'm not going to waste advertising dollars you know if all the if multiple you know portions of more than half of this is going overseas or to a region that I don't have business in Good point. and really left them on the sideline you look at college particularly it's a domestic audience you do that over a season we had 13,000 matches not all of them were obviously uh, put on on Twitch or put on air but you can see the growth there becomes a very centralized domestic based audience to build advertising from so beyond the opportunities that listen we wanted to make sure you know, everybody that's helping build collegiate, which there is, a, a, you know, a ton of great people out there, teachers that are giving and, and program directors that are giving a ton of time to do it, that we're finding new ways to help monetize this and to help grow it itself. And that's what NASE Star League became. That's why we focused on this first. It worked well. And, you know, we're going to continue to grow out. And this is why PlayFlight Esports makes a lot of sense. We'll bring this to third party properties. So what we've been able to do, certainly with NACE Star League, We're going to continue to do now with amateur properties, with pro properties. We're working with state high school associations to drive the cost down to as little as possible to get more access for high school kids to play now that we have a direct path to higher education in eSports. And if higher education is not what they need to do or what they want to do, there's a lot of career developments around this industry and what we're all doing here what a lot of your guests have talked about previously.
0: The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder, Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC drop branded ice shaker at icehaker.com shaker.com forward slash DLC drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC drop. Yeah, you've really, you have a very holistic view of the space. And I can really appreciate that when I was at GameStop, actually one of the partnerships that I brought in was with CSL, identifying that the college student is someone brands want to get a hold of, right? They're... They're making their own money for the first time. They're making their their first purchasing decisions. And that loyalty in that age group can often carry you with a brand throughout the rest of your life. But thinking beyond just college, you know, we also did deals with envy, optic, complexity, macherino as well to build out the pro side, the content side, the tournament organizing side. And so I totally appreciate what you're doing and I I commend you. You know, we're in an interesting dynamic with this industry where you have the industry is so dependent on brand dollars. The brands, you know, eSports and gaming is so new to a lot of these CMOs and a lot of their, their marketing teams that they don't know how to operate in this space. And so when you can help make sense of this for them, and then you're providing an offering like you are very strategically to then give ROI back to a brand because that's the reason that they're sponsoring in the first place. They're not doing it out of the goodwill of their hearts or that they're big fans of gaming. It's cuz they need to make more money, so they sponsor you so they can get that return, so they can get that customer. I just think it's really neat how you are you, you've started with a foundation and you're, you're building that out to make it a more enticing opportunity for brand sponsors.
1: And you can look at the, the industry. And I think, you know, over the last five years, particularly, it's shown us what's working and, and, and what's not. And, it, you know, I can say, and just this is my point of view, you look at esports orgs that try to be everything to everyone, they try to chase every single thing that they could possibly get revenue from. Mm-hmm. And I've always believed even before I got into to gaming was focused efforts lead to focused results. So if you find something and you get really good at it, then you expand. You find market yeah. fit. You find certainly a customer base that you can start renewing, and renewal is certainly much easier than getting new business in every business. So just taking some of the the you know key, the obvious things for the most part to say, okay, we have these assets. What is the best use that we can do with them? How can we start to help this community that we know wants to help growing, particularly for the colleges across North America? That's you know seven hundred. That's a huge amount of college. but there's over 5,500 colleges in North America, so we still have a long way to go. And I know that there's a lot of clubs out there that want to turn varsity. And you know, we're hoping our efforts here, particularly on the college side, are able to fund it, are able to help, are able to show administrations that that this is real and that the student-athlete relationship that can occur, there's many of the same benefits that, listen, I was a rower in, in college and in high school. I didn't have an esports team or I definitely would have done that. But the same benefits that you can transfer there, the administration's, you know, principals at high school uh, and many of the brands, it's education. And so that's where we started. It's if we're educating people and we're helping with education and we have esports going, that's a great base to start.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times these esports orgs are in such need of cash that anybody coming who has a significant amount, it's just like, yes, we'll take your dollars and we'll do what you say. And then what ends up happening is they don't produce roi on that partnership because it's not the right fit it's not the right strategy to engage the audience and then what happens is you've got a case study of yeah this i sponsored a team it didn't work it's a small network with these cmos with these brands right and so people start talking and they say oh this isn't the space that we thought it was you know i'm gonna put my dollars back to the nfl or the nba or the places that i've produced an roi in the past and i think a little bit of patience and not taking every dollar but but taking the dollars of people who say hey we'll trust you we'll work with you together and we'll figure this out together right because it hasn't completely been figured out where hey let's test a little bit if we need to pivot if the original initiative isn't working, have some patience with us going both ways so we can figure this out and make this a long-term success, both for the brand and then also the recipient of those brand dollars.
1: You hit on a good point. And not everybody's willing to wait. And experimental dollars, particularly if if we go in a recession, if we are in a recession, I'm not going to have that debate, but sure. they dry up. And now look at the play fly model. So we have home team sports, which, which we purchased in, in 2019. They do, or I'm sorry, in 2021, they, you know, do a large portion of the advertising for regional sports networks across the country, all of them, MLB, NHL, NBA. Now, if you want to add on an 18 to 35 component to that, we now have products where you've purchased in sports and that's the dollars you're doing. And if you wanted to grow within esports. We have the 18 to 35 demographic to start building onto packages as we grow. So using and being able to build this within PlayFly is exactly how we're getting over that objection, how we're getting over not being able to pass evaluation from a media agency. So instead of patience, we get to show results and over delivery. And I think that that's yeah. a key item of how we're attacking this market where we're in a unique position to do it and why we build it as play fly esports because we have this
0: ability. So if I'm understanding you right, you're, What you're doing rather than saying take your dollars and put them in a new space that you don't understand you're saying your dollars are already with us in this space you do understand let's add to that or let's take a chunk of that and let's put it into this to help extend expand your reach learn and do more and so it's your it sounds like you're lowering the risk with that strategy with your partners is that accurate
1: we I mean and we have established trust so not only are we lowering risk, we're over delivering yeah. and this is what partners are looking for at any point but now looking at you know advertising landscape and you know I think the and the stat that you always read in any any publication there's more people x y and z that watch this in the Super Bowl and full stadiums that are overseas I think gives a false impression and to reset with the partner and to build trust, that's been successful for us. And to be able to do that and also build in components to make more value of this with different Playfly companies, and whether that's home team sports, whether it's the naming rights division, whether that's Playfly Sports Properties that has multimedia rights and works with plenty of colleges and state high school organizations, we have different components in order to make sure that the client needs are met at the same time. We're also adding in esports and gaming. We're also being able to do it in a way that's you know meaningful for, for certainly our business and for the people creating the content.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you really have a great view of your from your client's perspective. And I think that's something that we can lack in the esports space at times. We can say, hey, we're doing all these amazing things. Haven't you heard of us? You should come support us. We'll only embrace you if you support us in the right way. And we sometimes forget, wait a minute, this is a business that they need to make more money helping us than if they don't help us. Right, or if they help somebody else. And so I love the perspective of the client and then taking that to your team. And my guess would be that based on your experience pre-PlayFlight Esports, pre-CSL, pre-Nerd Street, you gained a lot of understanding in traditional sports of how to do that. So why don't you walk us through this career path of yours pre-gaming, and let's talk about how you got through that and what you learned
1: i mean there wasn't really pre-gaming i've i've been you know a gamer a casual gamer my whole life in 1993 star fox super weekend champion at my local walmart nintendo brought 1500 activations to help sell star fox i got one of the bomber jackets that definitely doesn't fit me anymore (laughs) but my started uh that was my one and only competition that i was able to win but from there i've uh, you know always been interested in entertainment and media I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and you see the Philadelphia mural in the background here, yeah. and was just fascinated by, you know, everything that went into not just the game of the NFL particularly, but the business behind it. So, you know, I was a rower in in, in high school that allowed me to go to college, which, which was great. You know, in college, I started to look for internships, and I knew, you know, sports marketing was a field that I was interested in. Certainly in the media business, I had some great professors out of college, Marietta College, Southeast Ohio, which was a long way away from a kid from South Jersey. But we were you know, doing real well at the rowing program, you know, we had a great sports marketing professor and introduced me to, uh, you know, what this whole industry could be. And from there, I, I, you know, asked everybody I knew for years, you know, do you know anybody who works for the Philadelphia Eagles? So I went home in the summer You know, mm-hmm. I was training at Boathouse Row in Philadelphia, is there any way I could get an internship or a foot in the door? And I'm not kidding. After like a thousand people, I found it was my aunt's, you know, former roommates from college's brother, like something ridiculous like that had somebody that was in the ticket office at the Eagles gave me a shot in order to, you know, be able to get an internship. And that, that launched my sports career. And from there, I went to grad school. I went uh, to coach rowing as a grad assistant at Jacksonville University. So I was getting my MBA. So I did the same thing. Does anybody know anybody at the jacksonville jaguars i have this eagles internship experience
0: yeah you know help me
1: out because so i was really interested in certainly being at the nfl at the time and it was very frustrated. i got a bunch of interviews the eagles on my resume was was awesome and it, you know kept getting denied i think it was three or four interviews and i just couldn't get a job with with the jaguars these were the good years too the jack del rio like once of the playoffs and yeah you know done much different time than i think we've seen in the past few years <laughs> but on campus one day there was a flyer and it was for a Jaguars ice cream truck driver. And I wow. it hit me. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna do it. And I put together a plan. Again, I was in business school, so I had time to do this stuff. A business plan of how this ice cream truck was going to take over, you know, North Florida and was going to sell out the stadium. And this was the path to future generations and the generational fandom. So I got to present that to the team. And I think two or three minutes in, they they just told the group, it was like four or five people, and they said, Stop, like this isn't what we're looking for.
0: We just need to know um, you, you know, have a driver's license.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's it. They're just like, absolutely. Like, this is not what we're expecting from an ice cream truck driver. Why don't you come back next week and we might have something for you. And that led to a full-time opportunity. And I was with the Jaguars for, for a couple of years, a few seasons there. Wow. graduated, got my MBA and then opened up the door to go to back home for the Philadelphia Flyers. So I started there and I was there for, for about nine, a little over nine years, so the Flyers owned by Comcast Spectacore, so within the, you know, the giant Comcast corporates conglomerate, but it, there's a lot of different moving pieces to Comcast that I got exposed to very, very quickly. So, yeah. uh, you know, 2010, we had the Stanley Cup Finals. So, you know, got to see a lot of, of the different parts of the company coming in, so obviously coming to the games. In 2011-12, I was picked to represent Comcast for a project called Xfinity Live. So this huge bar and entertainment district yep. that was in... The middle of all, those, all the, you know, different we stadiums. Have a,
0: we have a Texas Live in Arlington. Anytime I'm by the esports stadium, or I'm at a Rangers game or a Cowboys game, we're always stopping by Texas Live. And same, I think it's same ownership, same type of a same, concept. Same
1: ownership, quarters companies. The one in, in Philadelphia was a 50 50 joint venture with Comcast. So I got to be there at the same time that. Comcast bought NBC. So Mm. this project was the first time in in Comcast history that you had both the cable company, NBC, and the regional sports networks in one project with Comcast Spectacore. So I really got to learn fast in the perspective of, you know, media, sports, you know, what was going on throughout this company, including theme parks, software developments, and advanced digital marketing that became really my path to be continuing to grow. So Opened it up, went back to the Flyers for a few years in a digital marketing role and partnership marketing role, and it, you know became easier and easier to see, you know why people weren't paying as much attention to the Flyers. It had nothing to do with the record. It was that you know humans only have so many hours a day they can dedicate to entertainment, mm. and you're seeing more go towards Netflix and cheap ways to stay at home on your couch. Activating a person off their couch being a very difficult thing, yeah. and video games. Being a huge part of this now two generations primary form of entertainment and from there it was it was pretty simple being in a marketing role and seeing where this was going from a media and, and certainly a sponsorship perspective we needed track gamers so i think my friends and i you know we were playing this jackbox games one of their party packs and i had this idea it was like let's play this at a flyers game this would be great it's a it's a, it's a great trivia game that you don't know Jack you know, originators where it's on a mobile browser. You don't have to download an app, which is a huge point of friction in a stadium. Yeah. If you are trying to download a sports app and real quick, let's have a fun experience. And the people that make these games, they're, I mean, they're, they're amazing. They do a great job. I'll cookie the device being the marketer and find out who's in the stadium. So I just cold reached out to Jackbox games and said, Hey, this is an idea. You know, can we do this, figure it out. And that led to me working for Jackbox games wow. and trying to build products for different stadiums. We did an activation with the Arizona Cardinals, with Alabama's football team, with a Boston major back in 2016, with the, I think it was a CSGO major and E-League back in, in 20, 2017. 17. And to be able to build Jackbox games into these experiences. Hmm. And that's, you know, the career path there is I fell in love with games and refell fell in love with, with gaming itself, something I'd only been casually doing for a while. And then Comcast had invested, and people I knew at Comcast for all these years, they'd invested in this company, Nerd Street Gamers. Yep. And, it, you know, we just having a casual conversation. And they said, hey, this, this guy over here is doing video games. You're doing video games. You probably should meet each other because you're both in Philly. And the guy's name was John Fazio, the CEO of Nerd Street. We met, hit it off, became friends, you know, started helping them with small projects. And then, uh, you know, once they got well, a little bit more funding, I came on board full time as their CMO, then their COO. We raised the Series A. We brought in Five Below, more Comcast, Seventy Six Capital, which has been great partners throughout my career. Yep, and you know, continue to grow. So, you know, from there, we'd already looked, and I already knew many of the people that were working in Collegiate Star League and World Gaming. An idea of mine at the time was to purchase them anyway and figure out how to work together within Collegiate, and then PlayFly and Mike Schreiber. He he put together this incredible project you know, mid COVID, right after COVID started hitting and, you know, an opportunity for a CEO role to build something, to turn around a project like we're doing today, it, it was appealing. And certainly it's a complimentary business to what Nerd Street does. And we talk all the time and they did the broadcast for May Star League this year and do an incredible job, certainly building out local hosts. But that's been my path. <laughs> it started from, you know, really video games in, in a Walmart. Well, I don't even know where I was at and, and a bomber jacket for the Star Fox Super Weekend. So, being able to build what we're building today
0: yeah what a story i always love going through those career paths because i've I've always found it really interesting to to find out somebody who is successful today you know you, you might see the starting point and it's like i don't see the link between these but really cool to see all these professional teams obviously professional sports teams obviously the passion for gaming you've had for a very long time and now links into your career today. One thing I heard you say, especially at these, you know, these early opportunities was that relationships got you an opportunity. And so I hear from a lot of people, John, how do I get into esports, especially college kids who are in that same entry level place that you were when you were looking to work with the Eagles? What would be the advice you would give young people who want to get into esports? <laughs>
1: I mean persistence is a big part of it and you know listen there's plenty of opportunities I would say e sports today was probably you know easier than getting into an NFL team or even pro sports because there's so many entry points where you can be a part of your local community I'm um, certainly you know there's hundreds of now gaming centers throughout North America where you can start showing up you can help organize something at that venue from you know the business itself and and whether you go you know, you're streaming on your own or whether you're doing this in college, you know, broadcast production in the lens of esports and gaming is going to be very, very critical. And it, it even look at, it, you know, the Manning cast that, that everybody keeps talking about. This is, as a Twitch yeah. broadcast, they put on ESPN too. <laughs> what we have for gaming today is how viewership for sports is going to occur in the future. We already right. have Amazon Prime with with Thursday Night Football. I suspect that's going to bleed into Twitch at some point where people yeah. are able to have their own casters. So now we have multiple entry points, um, you know, relationships. And even if you don't have them, I, I had to meet people. I said, hi, I'm Rob. Do you know anybody who works for the Eagles? And was just shameless about it. And you know, I screwed up a few times and then learned that I need to know, know my stuff and came back and, you know, went at it again, but the you know, best advice is be persistent for what you want, have a plan for what you want. Mm. You know, the worst thing you could do is, Hey, why do you want to work for the Eagles? Cause I like the Eagles. Or why do you want to work in esports? Cause I like video games. You need to be solving a problem. This is why people want to hire you. People hire people to solve problems. So if you come and you bring your skills, if you bring a skill set that you've built out in any part of your life, you're helping that organization. They're going to want you. It's yeah. not just, I like games. That's the worst response ever. And a complete disqualifier whether it's in sports you know i like the flyers no you're not qualified to work here for just liking the flyers you have to be able to bring something in a skill set
0: that's a really good point i'm a big advocate of volunteering and some people push back against this i had a great episode with arda O'Cal, who's a host of ESPN now and he helped really walk the audience through how you volunteer without getting taken advantage of by t- by setting some parameters or setting expectations for hey a month from now or months from now you'll start paying me sort of a thing the reason why i'm a big advocate of volunteering and some people say oh you shouldn't work for free and these other things this is how i think about it we pay a lot of money to go to college to learn a lot of stuff that we'll never use for the rest of our lives now i'm also a big advocate of college i got a great education at sacramento state university and i'm very thankful for that but there's more value than just financial value right and so I think it's a if you can no one's charge you're getting charged to learn about history and English and trigonometry but I'm not charging you to learn hands on how to actually do a certain job or experience a job you may have thought you liked and you do the day to day and you don't like it anymore. The second thing is just this relationship building. I'm a big believer that if you go to an event and you just say, "Put me to work. What do you need?" You know, even before that, I'm providing a solution thing, just like sometimes people just need hands and feet. They just need people to hand tickets out at the door or whatever. You build relationships and people hire who they know. Every single good job I've ever gotten was because somebody said, this is John or hey, John, you want to work for us? And then you have to apply for it later (laughs) when it's public is the secret. (laughs) What is your take on volunteering? Are you an advocate? Are you against it? How do you feel about it?
1: it? You know, listen, it helped me build my career, and you know, I did. I had unpaid internships, I had paid internships. It, you know, the biggest thing is to to not be taken advantage of, which is very difficult when you you don't know what that line is at a young age. Yeah, uh, and many organizations within esports, particularly that sprung up all of a sudden, are well funded and look real. We're still taking advantage of of people. So, listen, it's helped me a lot. In volunteering, and volunteering, and certainly I volunteer my time with. With charity projects that have helped me build a bigger network in order to help me build more of my career. It, you know, I would just be very careful and cautious that it, you know, with interns and, it, you know, listen, the world is, I think different than, you know, 20 something years ago, I'm dating myself and my hair is getting gray as we're talking of when I was an intern unpaid, it, you know, today, I think the economics of it are are a little bit different. Mm. So, it, you know, volunteering yes, do your research to make sure that, you know, the people behind that are, are the people that, you want to learn from, but certainly, you know, paid internships is something that I've switched to say, this we're, we're able to do this. This is a much tougher economic environment than I think that it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, particularly past 2008. And, you know, for just an access purpose, making sure that, you know, people can't afford to volunteer, that they're not left out either. So, right. you know, certainly it, volunteering is, is good, but making sure that. You're not taking advantage of that there are paid opportunities and whether that's two weeks a month or something else down the line but the last thing i want to see is that somebody gets left on the sidelines that has a huge amount of talent you know because they can't afford to work you know eight hours in a day for free when they're leaving a shift that could have given them x amount of money so i always balance that out to make sure i was in a fortunate position even though i mostly had to live off credit cards which was also a terrible <laughs> terrible way to fund your internships and you know i try not to push people in that direction, if not possible. But, you know, volunteering, particularly for, for charity projects or for things that are related to the communities that we're talking about, being able to be a helping hand for a community and, and a non-paid, nobody's getting paid, a community activity, I certainly think and in, in validate is something that you should do. But, you know, ask questions, make sure that it's the right people and that you're not being taken advantage of.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point on not getting taken advantage of, I think one thing is have the difficult situ- the difficult conversation early on. Don't volunteer, put all your time out there and then say, can you pay me? Say, first of all, if I'm good at this job, are there paid positions available? Secondly, I, I love what Barbara Corcoran said from Shark Tank. She-, she was talking about how you get a raise. And she essentially said, the way you effectively get a raise from your company is you go to your boss and you say, what would it take for me to get a race? And they tell you, and then you go do that. And then you come back and you say, look, I did X, Y, Z. Let's talk about my race. Similarly saying, hey, I really wanna get my foot in the door here. I wanna work for your organization. What would it take for me to get a full-time role? X, Y, Z, then you go do those things, obviously ensuring ahead of time that there is a full-time role available if you do them. And then coming back and saying, Hey, I did it. When do I start? What is your perspective on that? Or is there anything that you would add?
1: No, and I think that's that's a noble way to go about it. And and she's obviously made made a great career of herself. Yeah. But it, you know, doing what you say you're gonna do and be professional about it is I called years ago the blue ocean strategy in esports. But here, you know, listen, if you set and, and you build a plan. And you know the other person side of the table, you've built rapport and trust, then I think that works. That works great. I would just say, do your research. You know, some orgs that have sprung up in esports. You know, we've seen some unfortunate things. So I just want to make sure, particularly within this industry, that everybody does the research on the people and the organizations behind it before they do that.
0: Yeah, one question I have with your your multiple employers, we could say, the various organizations and teams you've worked with, I think it's really important to always identify what you can take from each thing to add to your arsenal or something that you learned from. For example, I worked at a tax firm early on and I learned that who you work with is more important than what you do. I worked at GameStop and I learned leave a little bit on the table for your partnership so everybody can eat rather than squeezing every drop out of your your partner, if you have the leverage, what are a few of the things that you learned, whether it was at, you know, the Eagles, Jags, Flyers, Xfinity, Jackbox, Nerd Street, that you took that have really helped you in your career?
1: I mean, every every single position I've had has, has helped me in one way or another, and even to the people. And you don't need to to have people you look up to. You could, There's people that are very important in your life. You say, I don't want to be like that. And, you know, whether you're in a position or whether you're working with people, every single position, you know, you should have something, you should have a reflection of, you know, what you did in the work that you did. And then certainly, if you're looking up at your next phase, you know, what you can do to grow, how you failed and how recognizing that you may have failed, and that how you're going to make that better. But I will say, you know, is all the work that I put into that first Eagles internship in the box office, I realized very quickly, this is absolutely not what I want to do with my life. I did not want to be In a ticket office, I did not like the business of ticketing. I was inherently a creative person, and this particular, you know, job. And though I commend the people and they need to be there, and I I appreciate everybody in the box office. Yeah, I just could. It wasn't for me, and I found that out very quickly in my internship to then focus on, okay, what are creative roles? And then that helped me even more in college, pick classes as I was finishing there, and then to learn that I also needed to have a better business base because many of the roles I was looking up to, whether it was the Eagles org or anywhere else I was starting to look for an actual job, started to say MBA preferred or MBA required, which then had helped me make the decision to be a grad assistant and to go to, to get my MBA, you know, from, and particularly in an early age and twenties from the flyers perspective, it was a long journey. I had multiple roles in a huge organization and got to meet a ton of people and, you know, within there, you meet every personality, and you can start to see. You know, one when you're in an order like that, how to be a leader, how to check your ego at the door. Which you know, I had some great mentors that beat me over the face with it, metaphorically, to make sure that you know I had the right the right mindset in order to you know eventually become a leader and to grow within the organization. And without you know some of those people, unfortunately, you know I got to got to learn a lot. And you know within gaming itself, and I'll fast forward, but. You know, what I've learned in gaming so far is, is there's so many tremendous people trying to solve this problem of how do we monetize it? How do we find success? How do we figure out we have all of these gamers in the United States and on this planet, you know, what is a sustainable business? Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's yes. just talk about the publicly traded companies. It's you know, we know that there are many of them, if not all of them, are even a negative, that struggling to find revenue and sustainable ways to drive revenue and also keep costs in line. This is a valuable lesson within the industry of, okay, what are the actual problems we need to solve? And that then focuses our team on this is the task and the job we need to do. This is the area that we're going to pick then grow. And I think that that itself is you don't have to look at just the organization in your role. You can look at a broader industry and how they're growing or how they're not in order to determine your next steps and how you need to move.
0: Yeah, that's really well said. Now, let me take it from the brand's perspective. If I am a non-endemic brand and I know... Not a lot about gaming, not a lot about esports, which is pretty common. And I come to you and say, Rob, I'm trying to figure this out. What are you saying back to me? What What's my starting point here? Your sports
1: sim is going to be tough. We can't get a million people to play a sports <laughs> sim. It's just not going to happen to all the brands out there. I'm sorry. We want it to happen too.
0: But I th- I <laughs> thought that young people just want to do what I did Physically, they want to do it digitally, right? Like if I'm a, <laughs> if if I'm football, don't they just want to play football video games? Am I wrong and about you, that? It,
1: it all starts with education, and uh, you know, listen, you can you can read anything that that, that comes across, and particularly the non-endemic media, mainstream media. And I'm not going to pick on media; that's not that's not sure. how this it's going to be. But it is does show the best highlights of esports, which is a stadium full of fans. Mm-hmm. what they instantly think of okay, that's like the hockey game I went to or the football game I went to? this is big it's arrived and you can't put the in between together of you know a, a united states uh, or anybody in america and the, the american consumer is far different than somebody on two different continents in europe or in, in asia um, they've always been different so having to build and having to build things that an american consumer would enjoy or even north american consumer would enjoy that's a different journey so it, really it all starts with the brands of education and it, you know we as as playfly esports We start by building trust, like take it or leave it. This is exactly what we see. This is how we're going to educate you and your staff. We'll be open and honest with it and we'll establish trust. And if that's not something that they want to do, then we've walked away from deals before. Not a big deal, but you know, establishing trust here, I think is very important. And then, you know, from the brand itself, managing expectations, you know, we know, and even if they wanted to pick a sports sim, which, Guns are an issue. They're, sure. they're an issue in this country for sure. And, you know, we get into a conversation about this, and these are the most popular games. And there's Red Blood games and there's Blue Blood games. The Blue Blood games is, you know, for us and how we explain it, you know, very much in this fantasy violence, like Wiley e. Coyote shooting an Acme rocket and falling off a cliff into a puff of smoke isn't really that different from Fortnite being zapped into a television, into oblivion. Right. So we have these conversations to educate Whereas Red Blood, obviously, is the Call of Duties and, you know, a war simulator. There's not a lot of appetite there for many sponsors, which, listen, we understand. But to disqualify games because of lack of understanding is something that, you know, we work through all the time with sponsors and partners to understand gaming culture, to understand particularly gaming culture within a genre. If they're starting to, you know, saying I want to do this game or this game, great. And we'll educate on what would be the next steps to do it. But listen, just because we, we kind of started here in college eSports and we're helping fortify college esports and now into high school esports we're also in education at all times and that's you know what our staff does and it'll take a long time
0: yeah i think these educational conversations are pretty common most of the times when i talk to somebody from an org or a league or a company like yourself i'm hearing this a lot is it starting with kind of esports 101 we're getting to 102 as people have been around this for a little bit i'm curious of your perspective on how brands can effectively engage the skeptical community and my my view of why so many brands have really dove into esports is because they understand every kid is playing video games they're no longer watching traditional television or participating in traditional sports they used to but it's really hard to integrate into a non-competitive game right i always use the example of red dead redemption 2 is this Mm -hmm. old west old west game and if you're mountain dew or doritos or lexus how do you integrate into that right and so then they see esports and they see these big headlines oh 100,000 people over a weekend went to this event in poland and you know we've, we've got all these global statistics right and they say i see sponsorable assets that are ripe for logo placement and in traditional sports, we don't question logo placement, right? I'm like, I'm in the Dallas Cowboys arena and or stadium, and I, I see that Albertsons blimp flying around. Cool. Maybe I'll go grocery shopping there someday, right? I see a state farm on the side of my Dallas Mavericks <laughs> basketball hoop, and I don't question that they don't come from basketball. I just say, oh, yeah, I really enjoy their commercials. I will consider their expensive insurance one day. In eSports, we say what business do you have being in my space? You know, you haven't supported me before, now I'm cool and where have you been? And so so my theory is that you have to enhance the experiences of the community. You have to give the community what they want but cannot attain for themselves. And if you do that in a way that is consistent with your brand story, then your brand is embraced. Do you have a consistent view with that or have you recognized something else that has helped brands be successful?
1: yeah let's uh, first back up on your choice of football team is is awful i just want to be be very very clear as an Eagles fan
0: dallas well i'm actually business. a san francisco 49ers fan uh, okay. uh but so just happened to the dallas, live in dallas, dallas and, put dallas, and dallas
1: <laughs> uh, no you know our view is very consistent it needs to be additive to the community and the culture beyond yeah. just being able to fund that it exists you know we work with many of the partners to provide you know whether it's free trials or whether it's something of value it's, you know, logo slaps aren't getting anywhere. They don't get anywhere in professional sports and, tr- and stick in ball sports today. Sure. Uh, so making sure that we're properly integrating partners that we're making sure, you know, we're picking sometimes the right partners and and we've turned down partners, you know, and it's tough to turn down cash, but, you know, to know that a community is you know going to turn on you, we'd rather, you know, continue to build in the direction we're going.
0: Yeah. Do you have an example of a brand that you've seen do this well? whether it's been a brand you've worked with or just that you've observed happening somewhere else?
1: You know, particularly, let's just the the Fortune 500 of brands. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's plenty of brands that are doing a really good job here. And, and to call out one versus another, particularly me being in the space, I think would be, would be a little mean. But there sure. are, you know, the ones that are, are doing the best, they've won, Brought in somebody with expertise again, another career building opportunity for anybody listening or being a part of this that knows the communities. So, for us to be able to coordinate with somebody who knows the communities, that we don't we can uh, not skip the education, but we can we can fast forward very, very quickly and then have an, them have an internal presence to go and deliver what this is. This is not linear television. This is you know, and and to say that this is traditional sports and stick and ball sports, you know, it's not that either. So, being able to have a brand that you know, certainly knows, has the right people on board, is able to communicate properly. And then from us, you know, be able to communicate what the value proposition is clearly, you know, those are the best brands. And, you know, I'd say there's probably 10 or 12 of them out there right now in North America. They're growing every single day. And you can see or Google, you know, eSports manager or above for many big brands that they're also growing into that as well. So, you know, expect that to improve and, and certainly, you know, more brands to effectively, not only, you know, get their brands integrated into the communities, but manage up from the right. perspective of the manager, the director, the vice president of esports for this company to be able to look and say, this is why we're doing it. So, you know, as the companies continue to mature, as our space continues to mature, and you know, listen, we even have, there's going to be, you know, different ways that we're able to have new ad units. There's going to be new ways that we're able to work with our casters and work with experiential now that we're getting back to in-person play there's a lot of value to be had there. So, you, you know, the brands, without calling them out specifically, they're the ones that have invested and said, we know this is the demographic we want to go after. You know, we know that these are the properties within space. We have a trusted person on our team or team within there that can help make sure that this goes the way everybody expects.
0: Yeah, I love that. You did touch on um, broadcasting there and earlier you touched on careers in esports. You guys are providing a great benefit beyond just Brands getting into esports that more kids in college are able to touch this space and learn what they can do for a living, right? That is associated with their passion. What are some of the pathways for an audience who's not as familiar? What are some of those career opportunities in esports as you see it today?
1: I think Hitmarker, if you want to look at their LinkedIn, they did an incredible job putting out here's all of the jobs within esports. So I'm going to just give them credit because they did yeah. all of the work to do an exhaustive list. But let's talk about on campus and we're going to see a shift over the next few years here where, you know, the 2008 cliff, I believe they call it, but you know, 2008 economy crumbled and less people had kids 18 years later, they're about to go to college the next few years. Now, so there's going to be less kids to go to college, college will get more competitive and, and some of the surveys we've done with colleges, 90% of kids on that are going to campus identify as gamers. So you're going to have over the next few years this tidal wave of okay, we know gamers are here. We know that they prefer playing as their certainly entertainment and, and primary form of entertainment. You know how can we turn this into you know the ability to learn and grow within all the careers that we're talking about? So you'll see, and you know many of these schools like you know Maryville or otherwise have built gaming centers on campus. These scholastic gaming centers they're going to become more and more prevalent, particularly in Division One. And these are places for career opportunities specifically that. Hospitality in the lens of esports, being able to run a facility, to have people in the doors, to be able to move around and to build, you know, what an event can be. Uh, networking IT to make sure the competition works. There's there's a lot that goes into it, and depending on the game, it, you know, making sure that it's it's competitively balanced, that that everything's working, and that you know that this is you know really a true fair competition. And then we've talked a few times, broadcast production, which I feel is just going to be an explosive new area just because the way we're consuming entertainment is shifting so quickly that i don't know if there's enough people that are going to be able to produce it they're going to hold the cameras that are observers within these games yeah. as new games come out there's going to be different nuances to learn so three key areas there that when you're having and you build facilities on campus with these colleges are going to need to recruit and to retain because the last thing you want a kid to do in four years of college is just sit in their dorm room and right. not get a college experience playing whether it's for another team or a pro team and not under your school flag and not being able to build the relationships that are really going to be key for the next part of your life. And doesn't even need to be esports team, intramurals or otherwise. Having a facility to do all this is really going to be key for you know many of these colleges to to continue, many of the big colleges to continue. And there's plenty of colleges that have already done this, that are well ahead of the curve, that have the best esports teams today, have have really you know robust intramurals on campus and now curriculum that is able to you know, be able to match what the career demand will be in the future.
0: Yeah, it's a great point to really embrace the the gaming community on campus because they're gonna be playing games regardless. And so you can either exclude them and they'll be away from all your campus club activities and games and events, or you can create an ecosystem that has them doing the same activities, but doing it together within the school's goals or initiatives. And I just love that there are so many different ways for people to make a living in this space, apart from being off the stage. In fact, you and I obviously make a living in this industry and we're nowhere near the professional scene obviously i mean you with your star fox credentials maybe a little closer <laughs> than me but I, I i better stick to my skateboard if i'm going with <laughs> what i'm actually good at here as we let you go it's been such a wonderful conversation and i so appreciate your time as much as you can share because i know that there are going to be a number mm-hmm. of announcements around playfly but what can we look forward to in the near future or what can you tease for us that's coming soon
1: yeah, and and for Playfly esports, listen and you go back to the beginning of the call. We are building a a, a big company here, not only with the esports, but also Playfly broadly to be a revenue engine for many of the esports orgs. And so what you'll see is we'll be working with high school state associations in multiple different states. And you know our conversation in education and you know having kids have this experience in college, it's no different than in in high school. They're going to game anyway. How can we make this where You know, many of the things that you learn in traditional student athletics, being responsible for other people, you know, learning how to win, learning how to lose, mental health, physical fitness, key things of being a student athlete, they also need to bleed into high school and high school esports as this is now becoming a bigger, bigger pathway. But the thing is to let them sit by the wayside and game on their own and not have these frameworks, you know, I think is short-sighted for many people or many admins that say this is more screen time. This, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to reach kids in a new way that we haven't done before and op- open up new, you know, really pathways to growth and success that aren't throwing a football 50 yards or hitting a jump shot. And so I'm really excited for that. So we'll be continuing to expand with the high school state associations. Obviously, NACE Star League, we'll be working with them for a, very, with NACE for a very long time. You know, our goal is to get, you know, thousands upon thousands of more students on board to get more. Clubs turn into varsity. You get more schools that don't even have a club into clubs and be able to grow the business on campus from an amateur org perspective. There's plenty of amateur orgs that do these great events all throughout the country or live events throughout the country that don't and don't have the ability to go and sell sponsorship or to go find mm. a regional partner. You know, We've built frameworks as big as what Playfly can do to help sell there. And then from a pro perspective, we we know the economics of, of pro esports. It, you know, until media rights becomes the dominant portion here, which seems like it could be sometime, sponsorships and advertising will be a big part of this, and we'll be here to represent. So, all of those key areas will continue to grow and announce great partnerships within that area. You know, but our really, really real reason here is, you know, revenue is a problem in esports. We're here to solve that.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a big problem, and it's it's great to see the solutions coming as the as the space evolves and matures. Lastly, how can people follow you, Paulo? Follow, follow PlayFly in the ways that you would like them to.
1: Yeah, at PlayFly Esports at Nate Starley for if you want to follow during the collegiate season, we'll kick off here in September. It's really a lot of fun to to watch these kids compete at such a high level. Add Rob Scott Johnson or find me on on LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. Well, Rob, it's been tremendous having you today. This is one of many great conversations I've had the opportunity to have with you. And it's been a pleasure learning all that you've learned throughout your career and really looking forward to seeing what Playfly is doing. Really appreciate you as an ambassador of the space here to help build out this space as it matures, providing opportunities for people, providing opportunities for brands. I appreciate that. And thank you for joining us today on the DLC Drop podcast.
1: Right, thank you so much
0: my pleasure thank you for listening to the dlc drop podcast this podcast is part of the esports future podcast network and produced by innovation media enterprises make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review